and welcome to the Limitless Landscapers podcast. I'm Paula, your host, and today I'm with Ben of Walker Landscapes. He'll do a big intro, but over to you, Ben. We're going to be talking about landscaping and owning a landscaping business, really. As the co-founders of the Landscaper Circle, we help you get more money, time and freedom to become limitless through our experiences as fellow landscapers and our tried and tested methods. If you want help with your marketing, managing or growing your business, you've definitely come to the right place. If you're a landscaper, garden designer or supplier to the industry, then hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, let's get back to the show. That's it. Over to you, Ben. All right. Cheers, Paula. Thanks for having me on today. My name is Ben Walker. I run Walker Landscaping Design based in Cheshire. I run the business with my wife, Grace, and we are in our 10th year this year. It's our 10 year anniversary. We've grown quite steadily over the last 10 years, and we've now branched out into other lines of business in the showroom and different product lines. So we now supply products, but primarily we are a garden design and build company. Cool. And we met the first time a couple of years ago at Marshall's National Awards, uh, which really cool. I've been speaking to your wife, Grace. How is it running a business with your wife and life partner? Oh, it's a dream. Never a crossword. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, as you well know. Yeah, obviously, it comes with great benefits and the odd negative, if we're all being honest about it. You'll never get someone alongside you that cares as much as your partner, obviously, with it being a family-run business. But there are struggles in trying to define the lines between work life, family life. It all just seems to merge into one all the time. But yeah, it's like anything in life, big positives and the odd negative. I think on the whole, it's got to be seen as a positive, really. Yeah, I think to run a business with your partner, husband, wife, is hard in itself but we've been going 13 years you've been going 10 years and that we're all still married yeah (laughs) and our businesses are growing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it no one like I say no one else is going to care as much as you no one else is going to support you as much as you as your partner so I think you've got to take that as a positive but I think if we could do one thing better it would be trying to define that line in between work and family life I know Grace would definitely agree with that yeah, uh, it, it's part and parcel of running a growing small business, family business. There are occasions where it does take over slightly, but I think that's outweighed and balanced off with that bit of flexibility. I know our lives would probably have been more stressful when the kids have been so young with illnesses and things like that. If we both yeah. had nine to fives working for different companies, that adds another bit of stress, whereas we know that if it's sports day or nativity or the kids, it's not going to be long now, is it, before they all start getting ill again, that we have that flexibility. Work for, Grace can work from home one day or I can. And I think there are, like I say, pros and cons and it all balances off, really. Would you say that it's been instrumental in your growth working with your partner rather than trying to find an external person to help you grow the business? Yeah, I think so. I don't think you could... As the business is growing, when it's young, you could get someone, you will be able to afford someone like that, if that makes sense. Bring someone in with the same sort of growth mindset and winning attitude and expertise in other areas. In the early years, you just wouldn't be able to afford that. No. You bring them in, 
it's obviously a combined effort building the family business and then it evolves from there. So you started off landscape. Tell us a bit about your journey with the landscape yeah. business as a landscaping business. So straight after A-levels, went away traveling, did a gap year, wasn't sure what I wanted to do at university, but I had been doing lots of gardening work for friends mm-hmm. and family and things like that. As a teenager, that's where it all started. Uh, when I put two and two together that my nan would pay me to go and do the garden, I thought, oh, okay, this, this works. I quite enjoy it and someone's paying me for it. And it's all built from there, really. I came back and realized that you could do a degree in garden design. So there was quite an interesting course at a local college, which was a foundation degree in garden landscape design, which appealed to me because it was half practical, half design. Yeah. But all the methods behind the hard landscaping, as well as the theories behind the design. Did that for a couple of years. I worked within the industry for a number of years after that for nurseries, big maintenance companies, big garden design company. And then that classic story of weekend and evening work just taking over and then taking the plunge 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, started off with just myself and a labourer. And now we find ourselves with almost 20 staff, four or five office staff and four big teams on the road building gardens. So it's grown quite quickly. Um, you navigate that kind of growth because I know a number of landscapers that I've spoken to recently on that cusp where they're going from that mm. they're at that level where they're now looking at management roles and they're yeah, looking yeah. at staff in the office because they just cannot do it themselves I'm not gonna BS you with some sort of wishy-washy answer <laughs> good my theory has always been say yes figure it out afterwards <laughs> yeah there's always a solution um, yeah that's it so if a job's come in we've won a huge garden design job or back when we had our maintenance side of the business a huge maintenance contract and we didn't have the teams or uh, the infrastructure to implement that made us then implement it yeah it was just a constant growth mindset really of say yes figure out afterwards when you've got a solid team around you and that's what sort of generate the growth of the business and that that's where it evolved from people within the business young lads stepping up yeah. Uh, team leaders, foreman, Connor, who went from, who did that whole process, then operations manager, now he's our commercial director. Oh, wow. Um, the, the journey, and this is why I always instill into the young lads that do join the company, that progression is there. A lot of companies yes. say it's there, but in reality, it's not. I've never understood the theory, but a lot of people like to keep people down and in, in certain positions where I've always wanted to pay more for more it's just yes. a win-win situation really and the jobs just started off with little block paved drives and little Indian sandstone patios and we're now on a job that's it's going to be over two years long the, the difference is massive but I certainly couldn't have done it on my own I, I would be years behind so not only Grace but Connor, Tom, all the other yeah. lads on site, the office staff. You've, you've got to learn to be able to delegate. That's the hardest bit. And that's what I see as the stumbling block for so many people. Yeah. And I can understand why, because your success in the early years is down to how good you are at your job. Yeah. Myself, Mike, all the other lads I know in the industry who build it on, your actual skills of being able to install something. And that's really hard to take that step back and go, do you know what? This might be painful, but this lad isn't going to become a team leader until he starts doing the things that a team leader needs to do. Yeah. 
And it's quite a long process sometimes with some people. It can be costly financially, yeah. but it depends what your long-term goal is. And if yeah. you want growth into multiple teams, well, I can't physically install four garden designs at once. So it's it's one of those natural evolutions of a, of a business. And would you say working on your mindset because you've said about growth mindset I'm all about mindset would Mm. you say that's played a part in you being able to grow the business to where it is yeah without without a doubt without that you you haven't got the the motivation or or the aspiration now don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with being a a master craftsman and having your your one team and doing everything yourself I know a lot of guys that do that and that's what they get the real enjoyment out of but my aim was always, my bit of concern was everything relying on me and my body performing every day to do a certain task. So that's where my motivation came from to try and grow. And I think without that sort of mindset, it's a non-starter. It's not the easiest thing. No perfect example. The stress running your own business is really high. And we go all go through highs and lows of things going right for a bit and then before long you run into a few more problems so it's never plain sailing but yeah mindset will be a fundamental part of being able to achieve that growth definitely and do you work on your mindset as a specific thing do you do anything in particular to keep your mindset in that sort of growth positive yeah kind of way yeah again highs and lows with all of that you have good moments it's like with anything it's like going to the gym you can have a really good period and then slack off for a bit I go through moments where it's far better and not as good big thing for me which is so easy is an early morning walk 5 a.m 5 30 before anything starts kicking off cold showers and things like that every morning just to try and have that little bit of time what I'm really trying to get into at the moment is morning stretching yeah things like that because after years of playing rugby and landscaping my body is slowly starting it's to your body yeah is it's slowly starting to wind down but then on a high level with moments of big stress I've done things like talking therapy yeah uh, things like neurofeedback to try and keep that sort of level of stress simmered down with a growing business young kids things like that it's yeah the stress <laughs> is real <laughs> the yeah. stress is real and it's really yeah, hard yeah, that's it. <laughs> And what, so when I saw you uh, this year at the Marshalls Nationals, we were discussing. Yeah, start this year, yeah. Yeah, we were discussing showroom in more detail, mainly because the year before you had inspired me to set up my showroom. It's still in the process of being set up, by the way. So this is like. Yeah, it takes a while. Progress. (laughs) But why did you do this? You've got a successful landscaping business and design business, and then you've decided to differentiate and branch Mm. out into showroom. Talk yeah, us through so, why. <laughs> yeah, no, great question. I'd always had it in the back of my mind when I was a lot younger and I worked in a big garden centre and nursery when I was at college studying. There was a local company who had a small section of the garden centre. And I always thought it was a great idea from back then. And I'd always had it in the back of my mind, tried various places. I think I have the room at the yard. Tried various places, it never quite happened. We then managed to take over a much larger yard that had the potential for it. And then it was one of our first product partnerships. One of the requirements of that was that you had the product on display. 
Yeah. So all of a sudden, that catapulted the need for this showroom. Now, the first phase, the first version of it, was a simple terrace out the back of the office, some raised planters, a bit of planting, stuff like that. And then it wasn't all done in one shot by any means. Yeah, it was a very phased approach. But like with like you would do with a big garden design for a client, it was all designed in one go. Yes. Um, the ultimate showroom was designed in one go and then we just picked it off bit, bit by bit. bit. You have those moments through the winter months when the lads are rained off or it's colder weather and we jumped on it then, bits and bobs. And now I think it's done. Think. <laughs> you now, think anyway. it's sort of done <laughs> yeah and then that, it was that first product which was the grillo kitchens yeah. uh, which now don't do anymore but then from off the back of that uh, it, it catapulted more and more we were always sourcing these products for clients yes. in one way or another and although we were just advising and helping source you then become responsible for these companies yeah. And these products, I thought, I'm gaining nothing out of this by doing all this research and suggesting someone, yeah, for very little gain and a lot of hassle. And then when you commit to being a dealer or a partner and have something on display, you're obviously there's financial gain to all that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that coupled with some really long projects, getting delays through the winter and stuff like that. If you're doing a big four-month project through the winter months, your margin's under threat through weather, COVID, staff illness, whatever it is. Whereas the products, those margins are as close to guaranteed as they ever will be. I'm sure you've seen it where a client's been pressing you on price and budget the whole project and then 15 grand's worth of outdoor furniture rocks up on the last day. You think, oh, okay. That's where they've (laughs) spent all that money. That wasn't the end of your piggy bank like you used to make out. So yeah, it was. It went from that one kitchen line to now we have four kitchen lines. Wow. Rents and Purglers, Solar yep. Fire Pits, Marshalls Porcelain and uh, Driveway Products. What else do we have? We do, we're <laughs> Billboard, Stockist and Display Centre now. Yeah. You, and do you uh, have all of them on display? Like all of the yeah, types of kitchens yeah, yeah. and stuff? We've got all four kitchens on display. And this is where the phased approach needs to come in because you've got to pay for these display kitchens. Although <laughs> yeah. a lot of them are di- heavily discounted, it's still a um, investment. An investment, yeah. And you need that return on your investment. So it's one of those things. And I always said it when we were growing teams or taking on bigger jobs. If you're going to go for it, you need to really go for it to make it worthwhile. But it it works in great synergy with what we what our main part of the business is. All yeah. our big garden design jobs now typically have at least one, if not all of, a pergler, an outdoor TV, a fire pit, and a kitchen. These customers now have a choice of all the ones that we do. And then we're also getting customers that have a perfectly nice garden and just want to add a kitchen or a fire pit or something like that. So we're getting one-off product sales. But I think last year, it equated to a third of our business. Really? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a real success. But it gets a lot of interest the showroom and all the product lines if anyone did ever want to come down and see it or just have a chat about how we did it then I'm always happy to share and help yeah when the customers see it do you see a difference in the fact that from before obviously like we're all doing you're trying to sell a a vision that they can't really see even when you design it they're still not how does that work does it make a difference being able to show people the products and the touch and feel really 
Yeah, massively. I think our conversion rate is the highest it's ever been. You notice this huge spike, and that was on hard landscaping as well as products. Okay. Um, our, our call to action now is book a showroom visit. So yeah. even if someone's inquiring about a garden design, more often than not, we try and get them down to the showroom first. Yeah. But then get an idea of not only what products and the materials are available, but also the type of company we are. Yeah. A lot of our jobs, are, the majority of our jobs, £100,000 plus, it gives them some reassurance that we're a proper business. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, we've got a premises, we've got a showroom, we've got office yeah. staff, we've got an office assistant, we've got a lady in accounts. We're yeah. not fly by night. If they're investing that sort of money with us as a business, they've got some reassurance that we're still going to be here in a year's time. But yeah, what people often say is it's, it's so nice to see stuff in large format. So yes. you get your lovely little sample of porcelain. <laughs> that uh, shows you um, nothing. <laughs> yeah, or composite decking or whatever it is. And you do these really trendy looking sample packs for people, which are great. But you lay in 300 square meters of it and 50 square meters of millboard or whatever it is. So when people can come and see it, they say, oh, it's so nice in real life, down, fitted. Some of the products now been down over three years as well. So that's oh, really? interesting to people. This, like the Marshall's porcelain that we've got down. Yeah. It's as good as it did the day it was installed. So it gives people reassurance. So why is that the most expensive? Yeah. This has been down for three years. And look how it looks now. Here's a brand new sample. Here's a patio that's been down that long. Yeah, it works really well for customers. And we find that people that inquire about just products come along and go, oh, who did all your landscaping? Oh, we did. And then people that inquire about yeah. garden design say, oh, I don't know where to get my kitchen from. The two just go hand in hand. And it, it's so easy for, maybe not easy, but it's such a natural addition to a garden design and build business. Yeah, it can, it's, it's worked really well for us. So I'd highly recommend it. It goes hand in hand really, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And what's next for you then? What's next? Yeah. Oh, that question. <laughs> you weren't prepared for that one. What's next? Uh, no, I wasn't actually. What is next? Yeah, you know I, I do a lot of thinking about that sort of stuff these days. And that's one thing that having great staff around you allows you to do. Talk all the time with our business coach about working on and in the business. Yes. Which I'm sure you're well aware of. And I think let's continue the, the growth we're on. We've now invested in this showroom. It's now all there. It's done. It's paid for. It's fitted. We now need to make the most of it and, and get that return on investment. We've just this year taken on a sales executive, Mark, an in-house designer in Johnny. As I was saying, Connor's now commercial director and does all the estimating. Yeah. It's really to continue pushing that sort of stuff, trying to delegate more down um, <laughs> and have a bit more time to do things like this and yeah a bit more content a bit more video content and try and yes. publicize the be the face of the business try and get it out there to more people a lot of the products we do now we deliver and, and fit them nationwide so really just trying to keep pushing on that yeah. growth really keep pushing keep taking a step back <laughs> yeah that's it. the ultimate goal in business is to make yourself redundant yes and then, then i get a choice of do I want to stay within the business because I love it, which I do? Do I pass it on to the next generation if my two little boys want to get into the industry? Yeah, but how build a business that, that doesn't necessarily need you and it's your choice whether you're there or not. A bit like the systemology podcast you did recently. Yes. Um, and that that's the whole theory behind that. You know, you should be able to 
take August off with the kids if you want to. And Grace will probably laugh when she hears all this because, you know, this summer I, I went a bit too far the other way. I did 24, 25 days straight at Tatton. Oh, okay. yeah. and just ended up completely wiped out. I am not the finished article by any means and often get sucked into really busy periods like any business owner, but that's the ultimate game. Just to be able to do whatever you want and not have to yeah, <laughs> be yeah. on the tools or anywhere yeah, yeah. that you don't want to be. Just be the annoying old boss that comes into a meeting <laughs> yeah. and just messes everything up for an hour. Ruins it. Goes... Just comes in, upsets everyone and goes off <laughs> to the golf course. <laughs> don't want to tell Ben that's not how we do things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> He's 10 years out of date. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think trying to get a bit more balance back will be the the gain, the, the sort of aim for the next year or so. It's been quite an intense period of growth, yeah, which is great. But that sort of comes at a cost in terms of just general energy levels, yeah, uh, where it's all work. You've got two, two little boys at home and a wife and a family that needs just as much uh, love and attention as your business, which is your other baby. Just trying to get that balance right is a sort of never-ending challenge. I think, yeah, I know. I don't think it's ever a finished article either, is it? I know we all strive for this ultimate goal, but uh, it yeah, takes yeah. a lot of work. It's not just a, yeah. that's it, done now. I go through great periods where I think I've yeah. nailed it and then a big job will come up or there'll be an issue or like this year it was the Tatton show. Yeah. Uh, I thought we were, I was more organised than I was, but just couldn't quite let go and had to be there every day only for my own satisfaction not that anyone not that he did it yeah yeah but it's hard people say what they say do a job you love and you never work a day in your life (laughs) I think that's the biggest load of rubbish ever I know and me honestly it annoys me so much when people say it because I find it's the opposite because you care so much yes you scrutinize everything so much but you're a perfectionist and all these other things so yeah I don't quite agree with that one but no, so it's it hard. You that passion, doesn't it? It's hard to relinquish control, I think, as well, because yeah. you, even yesterday I sat down and mapped out my job, and then literally was like, "Oh my god, I, that's one person," and I yeah. try and do it nine till three. I was like, "That's three people's jobs." So then I was like, yeah. "I've got to, I've got to start employing it. I've got to start yeah, employing yeah. people now because I can't mm-hmm. do it." Yeah, we've been doing a lot of that recently, and actually redefining people's job descriptions. Yes. Great. Grace is a prime example. She just does a bit of absolutely everything. She, I bet her goes... job role is the same as mine. Just literally <laughs> everything. Yeah. If there's not a specific person to do it, it's Grace. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think, but I think by defining those job roles, not only can you then start prioritizing those jobs. Like recently we realized Connor was still doing, checking people's timesheets. Okay. That is like a D-list yes, priority yeah. for someone in his position. And there's so many things like that with Grace. Then you start trying to prioritise those jobs. What's a £20 an hour job? What's a £100 an hour job? What's yeah. a £500 an hour job? And working it out like that and trying to dish it out. And sometimes it, you'll realise that you are actually the best one at doing yeah. that. But then if you can, whatever you can palm off, because let's be honest, there's always something new coming in, isn't there? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and if you're full all the time, it, it's tricky. But what I said, I can't even do my actual job, which is sales and marketing. That was my actual job one day. That's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's my actual job, and I don't do any sales and marketing anymore. I just literally do the admin. Firefighting. So, yeah, it's, it's hard, but yeah, you've got to learn to delegate. You've got to learn to trust other people, and I think that can yeah. be, as a business owner, your worst, I think for me, the worst trait, because I just hate it. I'm like, oh, I could do it easier, quicker. 
But then that person's never going to get any better unless they start doing no, it. Exactly. So you've got to start relinquishing the control. Get over yeah, yourself. But it's, it's hard when you're always under so much pressure and every hour counts in a small business, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone needs to be working at full capacity. So sometimes it just feels so painful to take an extra week to do something so someone's learning for the first yes. time. But sometimes you just got to bite the bullet, but it's not easy. Bite the bullet and go. I know. Um, it's been lovely to speak to you. Yeah, and you. Thanks very, for having me on. Very inspiring. It is. I think it's really cool. And like you say, if anyone wants to go and see Ben at Walker Landscapes in his showroom, mm. catch up with him. Yeah, Fine. that's it. <laughs> I had quite a few messages off people on Instagram recently about it. Yeah. And I said, well, this is one of the things I love about the landscaping industry. It's so much friendlier than any other industry yeah. I've come across. If you want to come down, get a steer for how it is or how we started, or you just want to chat on the phone i'm always chatting to different landscapers on the phone about stuff trying to help where i can so yeah get in touch yes thank you very much for coming on the podcast and uh thanks for having me i will speak to you soon awesome cheers paula